Business leaders, listen up. It's time to eliminate bad attitudes, politics, and distrust on your business teams. It's time to change the culture of your team. That means you as the leader must change. It's time for you to have impact. Learn how from corporate consultant Dave Anderson on Impact Talk Radio. Designed to impact high-impact leaders who want to lead high-impact teams. It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson with Impact Talk Radio. Hey, Aerosmith says walk this way, but the story I'm about to tell you is going to tell you don't walk this way. See, some people would say we were DAL, and I'm not going to tell you what that acronym stands for. You figure it out. But I prefer to say we were the team that made the top 71 teams possible. Unfortunately, we, there were only 72 teams. I was pushing every button. I was using every motivational trick I could think of to improve the sales of my, of my team. And I'd never failed before. I mean, I was determined not to fail now, and I was contemplating firing some people to shake things up when we needed a change. But the words of a man named Earl Nightingale, while I was driving on a cold, rainy spring day in upstate New York, forever altered my trajectory as a leader. What I heard him say was this. The quickest way to change the team is to change the leader. And, you know, with the performance we were having, my first thought was, oh, crap, they're going to fire me. But you know what? When I realized the real message to me was that day he was saying I needed to change. That drive and you know what? It was a cassette tape that tells you how old I was made me examine that I needed to change me. I'm Dave Anderson, and this is Impact Talk Radio. And you can find our show on iTunes. When you go there, please rate the show. Let people know what you think about it so more and more people can uh, find us. And you know what? You can also find me on Twitter, at DaveAnderson88, AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com, LinkedIn, DaveAnderson1988. But hey, we're talking about changing the leader. And you know, here's a list of some of the things that I needed to change. When I look back at that time and I look back and I say, you know what? I was focusing on my, perform- my own performance instead of my people's growth. I was blaming their efforts before looking at my own leadership. I was letting difficult circumstances be an excuse for my failures. And I was inconsistent with my attitudes based on whatever the, the latest sales report said. When I look back on that moment, I was truly dealing with only one issue and not the list of four I just gave you. And you know what that list, that issue was? Pride. My pride. See, as as I've said in all my other blogs, and you've you've, uh, read those, you've heard me talk about before on this show, fear and pride are the root cause of most of our failures in character. And character is the cause of most of our failures in leadership. Whether it's in history, whether it's in yourself, wherever it may be, character is, is, one of the, is the reason for most leadership failures. And pride was causing me to focus on my own performance. Pride caused me to blame others and make excuses, blaming circumstances for, our, for a failure. Pride made me moody with each report that reminded me of my failure. And despite all the signs, pride was convincing me that my way was still the right way. Something needed to change, and that something was the leader. See, humility is what's needed to grow as a leader. Earl Nightingale made me realize that I needed to change. I needed to quit acting like the team was there for me and my purposes, and I needed to embrace the definition of humility my father and I use in our upcoming book, Becoming a Leader of Character. All the definitions we use are 12 words or less so a 12-year-old can understand. And our definition of humility is believing and acting like it's not about me. See, humility is a foundation... 
habit of character that impacts all our other habits of character like selflessness and duty and positivity. Until we believe and act like it's not about me, we put our own needs first, try to avoid accountability and deflect blame. We become negative and we, and we never grow. And if I maintain that trajectory as a leader, I deserve to be fired. But thanks to the words of Earl Nightingale, I wasn't fired, and I was able to keep my job long enough to change my ways and therefore see the team change. If things are not going well at work or in my family, the first place i got to look is in the mirror. Understanding that I'm not the most important person in the room, that I'm fallible and I'll always have room to grow should drive me to look at the mirror first. It's probably the most underused leadership tool we have is the mirror. That was an act of humility that I needed to learn. But just like the habits of character, each time I chose to look in the mirror, it made it easier to do it the next time and the next time and the next time. And a new habit was formed. Pride's always going to be a struggle for me. But I win more battles than I lose because I've developed that new habit of looking in the mirror. And when we talk about this, we talk about this in our book, Becoming a Leader Character, Six Habits That Make or Break a Leader at Work or in Home. And that's published by Morgan James Publishing. It's going to be out in the fall of 2016 on all the bookshelves. We got Coach Mike Krzyzewski, Coach K, winning his basketball coach of all time to write the forward. And I'm announcing here today, Ken Blanchard, the author, best-selling author of The One-Minute Manager, has given us an incredible endorsement for our book, too. I just got to say, when the winningest basketball coach of all time and one of the most influential leadership gurus of all time say good things about your book, you'll feel good. And I'm struggling with pride right now, working on the humility about that. I hope you'll check out the book. But today we're talking about leadership with Jim Blunt, and we're going to talk about why people follow you. We'll be right back. This is Impact Talk Radio, a dose of reality, a dose of advice, a dose of impact solutions. Dave Anderson will be right back. Imagine if you could stop reacting and start leading because you lead a low-maintenance team. A low-maintenance team has initiative, integrity, and enthusiasm. A low-maintenance team is fun to lead because they don't bicker, play politics, or wait for you, the leader, to tell them what to do. The Overwhelmed Manager's Guide to a Winning Culture is a step-by-step program that will eliminate bad attitudes, politics, and distrust on a team. The Overwhelmed Manager's Guide to a Winning Culture is a video-based course that provides even the busiest leaders with practical, real-life solutions that can be implemented during the whirlwind and busyness of your daily job. Watch the free introductory videos at OverwhelmedManagersGuide.com and learn more about what the Overwhelmed Manager's Guide to a Winning Culture can do for busy leaders who want to lead low-maintenance teams. Get the free PDF Hiring for Character Interview Guide by going to OverwhelmedManagersGuide.com and downloading the OMG Power Pack. Don't wait. Stop reacting and start leading. Visit OverwhelmedManagersGuide.com and start building your low-maintenance team today. Welcome back to Impact Talk Radio. It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson. Hey, you know, I want to mention one thing in the in 
in our book, Becoming a Leader of Character, we mentioned a study that we did. It was an online survey where we asked people about their leadership hero, and we asked them to tell us what traits they admired most about their leadership hero. We got 630 responses to that uh, survey, and what those responses came back was 87% of the responses that we got back from people on that survey said the, the things that they, they admired most about leadership – their their leadership hero was a character trait, not a competency, not that somebody knew how to do the job, not any of those types. It was all went back to a description of some sort of character trait for that individual. And that goes right into what we're going to be talking about with Jeb Blunt, the best-selling author of one of his books is called People Follow You. See, people follow who you are, not what you can do. Yeah, competence is important, but they need to know who you are and they need to understand who you are. And that's what's going to make them follow you. Uh, he's written – Jeb has written seven books that are bestsellers. And you know he's a sales acceleration specialist. He's been on our show before where we talked about uh, what makes a great salesperson. But today we're going to talk about why do people follow you? Why do people follow you if you're a leader? And you know, Jeb has done a lot. He's through his companies, Sales Gravy, Channel EQ, Innovate Knowledge. He advises many of the world's leading organizations and their executives on the impact of emotional intelligence, interpersonal skills, and on sales, leadership, customer experience, channel development, and strategic account management. I mean, he's been out there advising people for ten years now uh, after a, after a, a stellar corporate career. So, Jeb. Again, I want to say thank you for coming back and joining us again to talk about uh, why leaders follow you. Thank you. I'm I'm thrilled to be back. Yeah, I I tell you, I you know, as a leader, what are the keys? Uh, I know you've seen this in some working with so many different companies, not just the companies you worked in yourself, but working with so many companies over the last 10 years and now having this great book uh, called Lead, uh, People Follow You. As a leader, what are the keys to getting people to follow you? Well, I think that it begins with a, you know, when we talk about, you know, character versus competence, it begins with changing the way that you look at what your role is. I truly believe that a leader's role uh, is to help their people grow and develop, to help them win, to help them get what they want. And if I look back and think about the leaders that I, that I worked for that had the most impact on, on my life uh, and on my career, they were all leaders who put me first. So they looked at me and said, what can I do to help this person win? And because they were doing that, I was willing to go through walls for them. I was willing to do anything for them. Because I knew that they always had my best interests at heart. Now, I'm not talking about leaders that were sitting around, you know, holding hands, doing kumbaya. I mean, these were tough men and women who sometimes put their foot up my rear end to make me go. But I knew that they loved me. I knew that they cared about me. And to me, it begins with a, a very simple principle. Principle number one for leadership is that you need your people more than they need you. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you get paid for what they do. Therefore, your job is to do everything you possibly can to make sure that they are fantastic at doing whatever it is that they do that gets you paid and making sure that you're not doing things that are getting in the way of them doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I was laughing. Uh, hopefully people didn't hear me. I was trying to hold my breath while you were speaking uh, because there was – there was a statement I used to tell people as they came onto my sales team. I would tell them, I said, look, I will do everything in my power to help you be as successful as you want to be. 
Not as you can be because I wouldn't have hired you if I didn't think you be, could be wildly successful. But as successful as you want to be. And that, that, that includes pats on the back or kicks in the butt. But I'm doing it because you want to be successful. And I'm going to continue to do that right up to the point where I realize I'm working harder at it than you are. You know, and I wanted them to know that I'm willing to do anything within within moral and ethical standards to help them reach the goals that they want to reach. And I think it begins there. I mean, I'm I'm a tough I'm tough to work for. I mean, people will tell you that I'm I'm really I push people hard. Mm -hmm. But there's not a single person out there that has ever worked for me. And I give you every one of their names that would call you that said that I didn't have their best interests at heart, and that I wasn't out there helping them. And I love what you said to be as successful as they want to be. I can't, I can't change what they want. I can't change their drive or their motivation. Uh, but I truly do believe that it's my job to make them successful. You know, you say, you say in, uh, in your book uh, that people follow you, but you say that the people need to like, trust, and believe in the leader. How does a leader get that to happen? I mean, so in both your case and kind of what I shared, people believe that about us, that we were in it for them before us. But how does a leader make that happen or get that to happen on their team? Well, I think that the, you know, we, in a previous interview, we talked about what a leader's role is. So I, I begin with a really simple methodology, train, observe, coach, follow up. That's what your job is. Everything else is academic. All the things that you think are important, those things don't matter. Train, observe, coach, follow up. And so what are the things when I, I spent last week I was in Kansas working with a group of leaders and I just walked them through a simple methodology. I said, think about your day when you come in in the morning, what you're doing. These are leaders who came to me and said, I'm we're completely overwhelmed. I got too many things going on, you know, blah, 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 blah. I get email, meetings, all these other things. I said, think about this. Every day when you start your day, are you doing things that are trivial, important, or impactful? And as a leader, right, most leaders and most leaders in most companies are spending most of their time doing things that are important. They got an important report they got to turn around. They got an important issue with a client. They got an important, you know, meeting they have to go to. There's all kinds of important things that happen all day long. Their email is covered up with important things. Most <laughs> leaders are spending their day doing important stuff. But they're not doing impactful things. And so when leaders shift their mindset and say, when I come in the morning, what I'm going to do first is something impactful. For example, one of my great leaders, I was running an operation in Miami. And I had about 200 people in the operation. And um, I, I was, he came in one day, got off an airplane, walked into my office, and I'm sitting at my desk. He got me by my shirt collar, figuratively, um, and <laughs> took me out into the operation and walked me around. And we talked to every single person. And then we brought back to the office and he said, for the rest of your life, every day when you walk through the door, the first thing you do is you go look every person that works for you eyeball to eyeball and tell them good morning and ask them how they're doing. He says, you're going to find out what's happening in this business if you did that. So I took his advice and started doing that. My entire operation got better. People were, were more willing to work for me. People were more willing to come and tell me when there was a problem and there was bad news. And I found a lot of problems that were, that were emerging problems but not critical problems and were, it was able to leverage my team to fix those problems before they became an issue that would derail my day or take me away from doing impactful things. You know, okay, so Jeb, 
I'm going to, even though I just wrote a blog on playing devil's advocate, I'm about ready to play devil's advocate with you here. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining there's somebody there that, out there that's listening right now that there's a, they're a vice president and they're thinking, that sounds nice if you have everybody in the same location, but how do you stay in contact if you've got geographic challenges because your salespeople are, or your people are spread out over a geography where you can't just walk around and get in touch with them? Um, so I'm going to make this, this is going to be sound really simple. Okay. So, um, it's a, it's a five letter word. I think I went to school. So check me if I'm wrong. (laughs) P H O N E pick up the damn phone. (laughs) Stop sending an email, you know, stop doing this. In fact, you wrote a blog. I I love this blog called, um, the, uh, four words for angry emails, but this Mm -hmm. is, those four words work for every email. Mm -hmm. When can we meet? Yeah. And oh, by the way, this is, I have this conversation with leaders all the time. You also have this really cool thing called Skype. There are Google Hangouts. There are FaceTime. Meet with your people. Get on, you know, get on the phone. We have a, in our conference room, we have a big, um, big screen TV and a video camera. And I travel all the time. So there are days when I get everybody in the conference room and I'm in a hotel room and I can look at them and they can look at me and we can talk. I mean, it's your responsibility to stay connected to your people. The reason that you're not connected to your people is because you're sitting in your office responding to emails. Stop. And here's the other thing about emails. Stop responding to every email instantly. Pick a couple of times a day and respond to them. Yes, you need a triage. I mean, if you're the vice president and your CEO sends you an email, it's probably a career career limiting move not to respond in a timely manner. But most of the emails you get are crap. And let let me tell you a story. I was in Sitka, Alaska, working with a telecom company there that's a one of my clients, and one of their leaders was explaining to me how she had no time for training, observing, coaching, and following up. In other words, she had no time to spend with her people because she was spending all day on email. She rolled her eyes, looked at me, and said, oh my God, you know, we're a company of emails. Everybody, by the way, every company says that. We're, yes, we're, I we're, agree with you. All we do is email. I go, great, okay, so you have no time to spend with your people. She goes, yeah, I'm spending six, seven hours a day answering email. So, Early that morning, we got up and went out and went to her location and got on her computer. And I walked her through an exercise where we triaged her email. It was like it was like separating someone from heroin. I wouldn't let her open any emails. You can't open the email. All you can do is look at the string of emails. And I would ask her, what's that email about? Well, it's just somebody doing this, 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 and this. Do you need to read it? Well, not really. What do you typically do with it? Well, I open it up, and then I put it in another folder. Do you ever go to that folder? Nope. Great. Delete. And we did the whole thing. We triaged eight hours of email in 30 minutes. Yep. This is the problem. Are you doing trivial things, important things, or impactful things? And if you're a leader in today's environment, you have to have your day focused on doing impactful things. And the most impactful thing that you can do is to help your people grow. Uh. You, you know, everybody out there listening right now, you've heard, you've probably heard me talk about the same issue and people being run by email and, and being led by email. Leaders think they're leading by through email. And I want to tell you, I don't think Jeb and I have ever worked with the same company before, but we're telling the same stories to you. So listen to this. Your situation is not that unique, but it can be fixed as far as how you're leading and what you're spending your time on. I love the breakdown, trivial, important, and impactful. So, again, I want to go back to this idea of developing people, developing people. You know, email is one of the things that get gets in the way. What 
I think most people intuitively know they should be in developing their people, but they move away from that or they either or they never started doing that. And let's just say it is the people above you tearing you away from those those jobs. Do you have any advice for people who besides I think that triage situation is a great great thing to do. Obviously, some people need training on that. But what are some other ways that a middle manager can try to keep the stuff from above taking care, taking all their time away from their people? Because that's what a lot of them are thinking right now. Well, I mean, first of all, you have to realize that most of the emails you get are, are, not, are not critical. So right. the problem for a middle manager is, look, I, I get this. Like, I'm a middle manager. I want to impress everybody. I want to be Johnny on the spot. I want to take care of everything. And they don't realize that what they're doing is they're basically reinforcing behaviors in other people. So what I typically do with, with middle managers is I show them a, a reinforcement model. And basically it's, it says this. If, you're, if, if there's a behavior and you give it positive reinforcement, will it increase or decrease in frequency? And they'll, of course, answer, well, it will increase in frequency. Yeah, great. If there's a behavior and, it w- and if you get to negative reinforcement, will it decrease or increase in frequency? And, of course, it will decrease. And does it make a difference what type of behavior it is? And the answer is no. So if you send someone sends you an email and you stop what you're doing and answer that email immediately, then you're reinforcing them expecting an immediate response from you. Mm-hmm. And so as you, as you continue to reinforce that, what happens is over time – your email box fills up with people who are expecting you to reinforce. In fact, they will come to you instead of going to other people because you give them that immediate positive reinforcement. Send Jeb an email, Jeb responds. So first thing first, stop responding to everybody's email. It is not going to get you fired. It is not going to impact your day. It's not going to do any of those things. Here's where you're going to win in life. You're going to win as a leader in life by, by hitting your numbers, by being productive by helping your people grow, and by having time to think. So when I look at middle managers, the first thing is stop. In fact, I had a middle manager just last week who got, was answering emails at 9 o'clock at night. And, and my answer was, why do you think people send you emails at 9 o'clock at night? I don't know, because you answer them. Sermon, 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just stop. If you, don't, if you stop answering the emails, they won't. So you stop doing those things. Like, just quit. And, and, and then think about it like this. I always look at leadership as, as a three-pillar discipline. There's leading, which is, which, is, um, which is shaping the workplace. Every leader, whether you're a frontline leader or you're a CEO, you have to be able to set a vision for your team. In other words, I'm going to say, um, Dave, you know, that's our number we're going to hit. That's the hill we're going to take. This is who we're going to be. I have to do that. I have to be able to move people emotionally behind me. And this requires me to have time to, to some space, some margin in my day so that I can think critically and I can think strategically and I can define a message for people. Then there's managing, which is be, being able to, to manage systems and processes. So if I say we're going to take that hill, I'm going to be able to tell you how we're going to get there. Right. And then there's coaching, which is shaping people. So if you look at it this way, 90% of strategy is execution process, right? And 90% of execution is people. And I have to be good at doing all three of those things. As a frontliner middle management, I'm going to spend most of my time coaching, right? spending my time on people. If I'm a CEO, I'm going to spend most of my time on leading, shaping the workplace and the message. The right. problem for most middle managers is they don't give themselves enough margin to think or be strategic. And then, and because they can't think or be strategic, they can't do big things 
They can't get their name out there, and that holds them back from getting promoted probably more than anything else that happens in their life, including the productivity of their team. Hey, Jeb, we're about ready to go to a uh – to go to a break here. I want to share one story myself, too. Best coach out there, Coach K. I mentioned him earlier about him writing the foreword to our book. I was fortunate enough to go to his very first uh, basketball camp when I was in the eighth grade when he was his first head coaching job. And I wrote a blog about this. What I watched that man do in a 90-degree day outdoor basketball courts, running around showing us all how to get down and be in the right defensive position, he was developing us. He was coaching us. He wasn't just standing back and watching. He was getting in the midst there. And he was doing exactly exactly what Jeb was talking about. He was training. He was observing. He was coaching. He was following up. He was modeling what good looked like for for us. And I'll never forget watching Coach K sweating out there on an August day when I was a 13-year-old and just thinking, wow, this guy is awesome. And now he's Coach K. Anyways, we'll be right back with Jeb Blunt. We're going we're gonna to have five more minutes to talk to Jeb about what it takes to have people follow you. We'll be right back. This is Impact Talk Radio. Learn more on Dave Anderson's blog at AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. Stay with us. Back after these. Passionate, dynamic, funny, straightforward, and down-to-earth are all words used to describe Dave Anderson as a speaker and a trainer. You know, people ask me, Dave, why not sales training? And I always say, you know, I could do sales training and I do periodically. I did it for 20 years. But if I help somebody become a better salesperson, it's like helping somebody become a better accountant or a better engineer. Those skills, they stay at work when somebody heads home at night. But if I help them become a better leader at work, they go home, they're a better husband, a better father, a better mother, a better wife, better in their community, better in their ministries. I truly believe that leadership is what this world needs, whether it's at work or in our families. And if I can impact that during my lifetime, I know that I will have fulfilled my purpose before I meet my maker. If you want to book Impact Talk Radio host Dave Anderson as a speaker at your next meeting or convention, or you would like to discuss leadership development training opportunities with Dave, email him directly at dave at alslead.com. That's Dave at ALSLead.com. You can also follow Dave on Twitter at DaveAnderson88 and also on LinkedIn. Watch a video of Dave speaking at AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. Leaders, if you want an engaged audience that walks away inspired and ready to become the leaders they were meant to be, contact Dave Anderson via email at Dave at ALSLead.com. Welcome back to Impact Talk Radio. No fluff, just straight talk with impact solutions for high-impact leaders. Here's Dave Anderson. 
Well, I ended that last segment with a story about Coach K coaching me at, at basketball camp. Uh, I'm, I need to throw this in there because in, if you ever buy the book, uh, Becoming a Leader, a Character, you're going to see in the forward how Coach K mentions I wasn't a very good basketball player. So I want to throw that out there for that pride issue I mentioned earlier. Um, just let everybody know as a disclaimer, I wasn't that good a basketball player, and Coach K was the person who told me. Uh, anyway, Jeb, let, let's get back to this whole idea of pe- uh, people follow you and uh what if somebody out there is uh, is listening right now and they realize they need to change how they're leading the team uh what what's the first step they should take what do you recommend if i if you're well, if, i guess in the first step that i would take if i'm if i'm leading a team and i realize that i need to change my ways is i would take stock of all the things that i'm doing that are not having an impact on making my team better. So um, what are the things that are holding me back from being a good leader? And you, you use this, um, this, this terminology, and in the book, People Follow You, which, by the way, is my favorite book that I, that I wrote. Um, I, I, in one of the, the early chapters, we talk about the difference between competence and character is I would take a take a stock of all the things that I'm really competent about, you know, with that are like I'm really good at these things, but they're not things that are impacting my team. And I think what you'll find in a lot of cases is that you default to those activities. And a great example of that is sales leaders. If you promote someone uh, from a frontline sales job where they're really, really good at that, and you move them into a sales leadership role, a lot of times they'll default to the things that they were really good as an individual contributor versus focusing on the things that they're really good as a leader or at least developing those things. And you'll find that you're spending a lot of your day doing things. You're being a doer versus being a developer and a coach. And so it's understanding that first and then letting those things go. Yes, there are things that you're amazing at. You're fantastic at. You're competent at those things. But here's the deal. You can be awesome at those things. And if all your people don't come to work today, if they don't show up, you're screwed. Yeah. You can't do it without them. You have to do it through your people. So stop doing and start leading. And by the way, as a, for the entrepreneurs in the, off, in, in the audience, you, I, you talk about your unresume. Yeah. Um, so like I, as an entrepreneur, 2011 was, was our, that was our breakthrough point as an organization where we really began to scale. And here's how we scaled. I left the business. <laughs> <laughs> because here's what the problem was is that I was competent at everything. I knew every I built the business, you know, in in my bare feet like from scratch. I started in 2006. I did everything. And then when I started adding people on and growing, I still was doing everything. I was the everything person. And the 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 what was I guess serendipitous for us was we got this huge consulting contract. It was massive. And it was so big that literally I was unable to, to run the business anymore. I had to bring people in to run my business so that I could go take care of this consulting contract that the scary thing was if I put all my effort in that, I could kill the business because I'd come out on the other end. I wouldn't have a business left. Right. So, um, so by getting me out of it as an entrepreneur – and I am bringing other people in. I was able to put some space in between me and them so I could learn that my, my value wasn't in being the chief problem solver. My value wasn't in being the, the, the subject matter expert, the smartest person in the room. 
My value was in building people around me who were better and smarter than me and getting out of their way and letting them do their job. And when I did that, I'm, I'm, I'm a wealthier person than I, than I ever would have been otherwise. I make a lot more money these days. I have a lot more fun because I'm able to do the things that I'm really good at. Yeah. And I'm a better leader. And more than anything, I'm building a group of people that are changing their lives because I'm giving them the opportunity to grow and thrive and, um, and with, without being always in my shadow of the person who knows everything. You know, the interesting thing is, Jeb, you talk about those people, and I was one of those people, and I've, I, and, and going into working with companies, I see this all the time. Somebody who is the, the expert in one area gets promoted, and they try to remain the expert. And, they, and as the technology changes, they're trying to remain at that same level of expertise. And the, the problem is, what I realized after a while was, I was trying to be an expert in my old job. My new job now was to be an expert in my people. That's and right. I, and, and so I was focused on my old job, still doing my old job, and I wasn't focused on what my new job was. And I had to realize, even though it took a little bit of swallowing of the pride in things, was, you know what? I no longer need to be an expert in the, in the technical parts of the job. I need to be a generalist. I need, to, I need to understand it all, but I need my people to be better than me in their, in those, in their jobs, not me be better than them in their jobs. And that's, that is, to me, was such a revelation where all of a sudden it became, okay, do I know enough about them? Do I know enough about them? Hey, we're going to be, uh, we are winding up here with Jeb Blunt and we're talking about the, uh, what it takes to become a leader and why people follow you. I'm going to, uh, make sure you have all the information on, on getting to Jeb and go to at sales gravy and follow him on Twitter and salesgravy.com is also where you can find everything about Jeb on his, uh, in his website. 